The Church Media Podcast, episode number 86, Pastoring Your People with Carl Cartee, part one. Let's do it. Hey there. Welcome to the Church Media Podcast. The definitive podcast for helping you create dynamic experiences and build solid media production teams at your church. We're bringing you knowledge and insight from top media professionals from around the world. Useful, practical content in the areas of live production, design, leadership, digital communications, and more. The show notes for this episode and all archive episodes of the show are available online at 1230media.com slash podcast. And now, broadcasting from the ministry headquarters of 1230 Media, here's your host, Church Media Coach Carl Barnhill. Welcome to episode number 86 of the Church Media Podcast. I'm Carl Barnhill. Thank you so much for listening this week. This is the definitive podcast for helping you create dynamic experiences and build solid media production teams at your church. I am so excited about this week and next week's episode of the show. I welcome a fellow Carl to the show, Carl Cartee. I met Carl years ago. I'll tell you the story real quick. Stephen Furtick, who is the pastor at Elevation Church in Charlotte, is a mutual friend of ours. I went to college with Stephen many moons ago. He was the worship leader at a church in North or South Carolina, one. I've forgotten the, the name of the church, but Carl was hired to come in and produce a live CD recording of Stephen and the choir and worship team at the church that he was serving. I was hired to come in and produce the DVD portion of the project. We didn't uh, know each other and, and got so confused when people would ask for Carl. <laughs> it's not a very common name. It's not like we get mistaken for another Carl that often. So we worked together on that project and have crossed paths a few times over the years most recently serving on staff at New Spring Church. Can't wait for you to hear from him today. Dueling Carls are next, but first, here's a free resource that you can use at your church. And now, your church media resource of the week. Software, websites, gadgets, and tools that will resource your creativity and your ministry. Howdy, this is James Wassum from Great Church Sound with another Church Media Resource of the Week. Getting everyone on the same page can be tough, especially when it comes to managing your sound team and technical volunteers at church. That's why I created Church Sound Basics, a 45-minute video presentation that covers the most important issues for church sound. This training video covers everything from proper mic placement and gain structure to EQ techniques and feedback prevention tools, and a lot more. It really is the first step for anyone serving on the sound team, and it's a great resource for team leaders or pastors that are in search of quality training material for their team. You can check out all the details for this video and more at greatchurchsound.com learn. For more free resources for your team, visit 1230media.com slash training. This is an exclusive interview from 1230 Media and Carl Barnhill. Get shareable content and free resources for your team at 1230media.com slash podcast. Here's Carl now. Hey guys, I welcome on the line Carl Cartee. Carl is a Dove award-winning artist and musician. He's written uh, and recorded songs on the albums of a long list of Christian music artists like Laura Story, 
Aaron Schust, Jackie Velasquez, Big Daddy Weave, the Gaither Vocal Band, FFH, the Oak Ridge Boys, and more. He's recorded 13 solo projects and has performed with artists like Third Day, Mercy Me, Stephen Curtis Chapman. Uh, the list goes on and on. He's led and been on staff at some of the most influential churches in the country as well. Carl, welcome, man. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Carl. It's good to be. It's good to be with you today. Team Carl to in the house Carl. today. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Cool, man. Well, uh, we've crossed paths a little bit. Tell tell us about your your family life. Let's let's get started there. I, I want to know, uh, you know, just uh, about you a little bit more, Heather and the boys. Uh, give give me a little a quick snapshot of your family. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody asked me the other day, like, what was my claim to fame, and I had to tell them that I'm the father of four boys, and I'm married to Heather. Uh, my sons are Oak, Ezra, Abe, and Ike, and they are 10, 8, 7, and 5. And we've got a, you know, everyone always looks at us at the grocery store and says, man, you got your hands full. Yeah. I got my hands full, but, like, we, we're, we're really blessed. It's so it's so much fun. This is a great age for uh, for my kids, and uh, we've, uh, I, I feel so thankful uh, to be uh, to be their dad and to be married to Heather. Heather and I'll be married 18 years this year, wow. and we've been uh, for that whole time, um, you know, in ministry together and, and serving the Lord together. And we're li- we're living in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Excellent. Now, um, give me the pr- professional bio a little bit too. The last couple of. Uh, Stops that you've had, you've been in Nashville and in South Carolina at New Spring and, and back to Nashville. Yeah. Kind of walk me through that. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, we, we moved to Nashville in 2003, and that was a part of a process of uh, steps of faith that Heather and I were taking at the time to just see if God might use our lives if we reoriented them so that it took more faith to live them. Uh, it, we had gotten quite comfortable and uh, kind of complacent uh, when we, you know, first five years of marriage, things had gone well, but we just felt like it didn't take faith to live our lives anymore, and then we wanted to make a move. So we moved to Nashville in 2003, following the Lord and uh, seeing what He might do with us as we took steps of faith. And that, you know, we had a, a great time uh, for, uh, you know, 11 years here where I was, you know, writing songs professionally, leading worship on the road, and then serving as artist in residence at Fellowship Bible Church. And then in, uh, at the beginning of 2015, we moved to South Carolina to go on staff at New Spring Church, where I was um, brought on that staff to be uh, the director of a school that trains worship leaders. They have, uh, they have something that they call New Spring College, and I was the head of the component of the college that trained worship leaders. And so we raised up and trained seven worship leaders uh, through a year-long program and got those guys graduated. And then about that time, I felt like it was a good point for us to, to move on again. I wasn't sure what the Lord had us to do, but I was like, well, I'm, I think my work here is finished in South Carolina. And then uh, we also went um, for, uh, you know, a 30-day RV trip around the country with my family. And uh, we uh, just sort of explored America and uh, during that time, my, my church, uh, Fellowship Bible Church, called me back and said, uh, hey, man, um, what are you up to? And I was like, well, I'm uh, in Yosemite. What are you up to? <laughs> and, uh, and then they said, you know, we're interested in uh, starting a, a worship leader training program here out of Fellowship. Would you come back home and, uh, and lead it? 
And, uh, and so now I'm back at the church that I used to be artist in residence at, but I'm on staff. And uh, my title here now is Director of Worship Development. And uh, I lead worship on the weekends a good bit across three campuses. I am uh, helping with the songwriting process for our campus, uh, for our church. And then also I'm uh, leading what's called the Fellowship Worship Residency, which launches in September. And it is a year-long intensive worship pastor residency um, where um, folks move here to Nashville hang out with us and um, get immersed in the staff culture and then get immersed in the artistic culture. And we do our best to um, train folks up who are called to the church, focused on the church, ambitious for the church, and who are willing to go through a program like this so that maybe at the end of it, they'll be a little bit more equipped to go and either plant a church or serve an existing church as a, as a, as a worship pastor, uh, somebody who is using music to minister to people. So that's kind of my career, what I'm doing these days. Yeah. And now t- tell me about some of the song opportunities that you've had over the years for people who may not know who you are or, or what you've had the opportunity to do and, and who you've had the opportunity to, to work with, not to name drop, but just to kind of give a sense of, of, uh, you know, where God has placed you. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you, you kind of said it a little bit in, in my, in the introduction stuff, but we moved here to Nashville in 2003. And, um, and I have, you know, I have a unique Nashville story in that, you know, we moved here sight unseen, didn't know a soul, but I had already been writing songs and making records, you know, kind of in my bedroom at home and, and traveling on the road, leading worship and things like that. So I had done a lot of legwork on my own and done, a, you know, just what I feel like was just the stewardship of being a songwriter, being a creative person, just showing up. And so my story is about eight weeks after we moved here, I signed a publishing deal with, um, actually at the time, it, it was called Spring Hill Music, and it was... Uh, Bill Gaither's publishing company is uh, kind of a publishing arm of, uh, of, of his, uh, you know, his, his companies. And uh, I started writing songs with, uh, you know, any and everybody. And next next thing I know, I, I moved on from, from Bill Gaither. And um, while, while, I was, while I was there, I wrote this song called Glorious Impossible, which kind of became a, you know, a Christmas song. And um, Gaither cut it in about about 50 other people have cut it, you know, since we wrote the song. So it's, it's been in a bunch of musicals and little things like that. And, you know, wrote with Laura's story. Um, some of the things I've been most proud of recently is writing with Elevation Worship uh, on a couple albums ago. They, you know, um, last couple albums that they had out, I, I wrote some songs with those guys and uh, they've, they've done well. Uh, you know, every, every time I turn around and see my, you know, my name on a song or my name on a, you know, a, an album. I, it's just another. It's, it's just another chance for me to say, you know, thank you, Jesus, for taking good care of me and, and looking after us. Because that, sometimes, you know, you write a song, and you know, at, at the end of the day, you're not really sure if it's going to ever see the outside of the, of the door. And then it goes on to, you know, mean something to somebody in their life. And then other times, I've written songs, and it's been like, man, I've done it today. I really, you know. I've really written a great song, and then that one is the one that never never gets outside the door, you know. Yeah. The song I, I won a double award for, I wrote with Jamie Lee Riddle, who you know you may know wrote 
Revelation song and a bunch of other good songs. And, and I think I think the day we wrote together was the first time she'd ever co-written a song with anybody. And uh, and we wrote it, and it was a good song, but it was just one of those things where I thought, man, Jenny's a nice lady, and I like her. We'd never met before. We'd never written together before, but we hit it off, and I thought, that's a pretty good song. But I didn't think much else about it. And then um, she she called me uh, and uh, emailed me a demo that her kids had done. She said, yeah, my kids had made a demo of, this, of our song that we wrote. And this was a couple months after we'd written it. And I thought, wow. I hope her, you know, I hope her kids are good. I want to hear it, you know. And then next thing you know, man, the kids were awesome. I mean, they heard her kids made a great demo of the song, the vocals, the production, everything was really cool. They sent that to Sayla, and Sayla picked it up, made it their, you know, single, and blah blah blah. Next thing you know, um, you know, the song is nominated for a Dove Award, and blah blah. blah. Um, but I just, I remember, I look back on that, and I think how, how, you know, almost, uh, you know unromantic that story is, you know, it's just like this thing led to that thing, you know, oh, yeah, my kids, and you know, well, I'm going to play for these guys. And it, 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 it's, it's not extremely sensational, but when I look back on it, I, I just, I, re, I remember, you know, just thinking to myself how, how good God must, uh, must be to just take something simple that was written out of a pure heart and do something with it. I'm, I'm thankful for opportunities like that. Yeah. And I bet it's interesting kind of dipping into different, genres with uh you know kind of the contemporary space and then more the i guess the gospel space with the gaithers hey speaking of gaithers did you ever bump into this guy named wesley pritchard you know who he is i don't know the name sounds familiar with did did he did he sing with them for a while yeah he sang with them for a while so he was my uh baseball coach when i was a kid (laughs) (laughs) so i didn't know if you'd bumped into him it's weird how small the world is but I don't think I don't think uh, we've ever really met, or at least you know made a, made a, a strong connection. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So we sh- we share a, a similar passion in that uh, we serve in the worship space, production space, and there are many facets to creating a worship experience. But the one thing that 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 really drives us outside of our love for Jesus, that is, is our love for for people. Um, and it's really been your calling to mentor and to equip worship leaders and those who create experiences on the weekend, right? Tell, tell me why this is an area of your ministry that's so uh, important and why, you, why you're so passionate about it. Well, I mean, I, I look at what the Lord's allowed me to do in my life, and um, I'm, I'm, I realize that I do it from, from the shoulders of other people. You know, I'm standing up on the shoulders of other people who have been really kind to me and took me— um, into their, you know, influence and, and in a relationship with them and just, you know, let me be around there. Well, not really didn't have any business, um, you know, they were smarter than me. They, you know, were in a, kind of a different level than I was. But I, I remember, um, you know, being invested in by, you know, several specific names. I mean, like Walter Smith was a guy that I went to church with, and he was the worship pastor. And Walter you know, just out of the kindness of his heart, you know, he, he worked with me. He let me, he let me play his guitars and he let me sing a song, you know, in church. And he, you know, he taught me how to lead worship, but he was, he was just kind to me, just really nice to me and loved me. And what that did was like, gave me a picture of what I might want to do with my life. Not, not necessarily because I was, you know, some phenomenal talent and it was clear that, 
you know, this would be the trajectory of my life. But it was, it was a way that he invited me in and it gave, gave me experiences that I could have never had apart from just his kindness and his uh, generosity to me. And it really, it really changed me. And so I had, you know, a similar experience with another guy named Robert Shaw, uh, who I met in college and Robert spiritually and from a, from a uh, biblical standpoint, uh, I was a worship leader in college, and uh, he was an evangelist, and he said, hey, Carl, I, w- I want you to come and lead worship with me when I go preach these revivals and things like that. And, and it'd be just me and him in the car, and we'd drive, you know, all over uh, the country, and we'd talk. It was just windshield time, you know, but he would tell me about the Bible, and we'd talk about the Bible, and he'd ask me questions about what I believed, and, and I, I, it was a very intentional like investment that he was making in my life. And, and he did it so graciously and kindly, but I knew he wasn't just like passing the time with me. He was looking at it as an opportunity to pour into me something that he knew would grow into a ministry. And so when I look at, you know, anybody that's serving the church or, you know, I, I, I feel like I've received such an amazing gift in like just the mercy of God channeling the, the or ordering my steps, you know, to intersect with, with some, some really good people. I feel like that's been the mercy of God in my life. And, um, and so I, I want to try and recreate that if I can. Uh, it's been, um, it's been a real gift to me. And if I can just keep giving that away, that's really what I, I why doing things like that's important to me. Now you mentioned this a little bit, but how did those people in your life shape who you are today? How, how did their influence uh, shape how you minister to others now. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, like, you know, you, you, you're everybody's kind of product of uh, their influence and their environment, <clears throat> and um, those guys created um, an environment for me to be able to be around them. Um, they they welcomed me into their environment, and um, and so I want I, you know I, I want to sh- share as much as I can, but I also like to create an environment for that. By, by making myself available to people, um, by, by doing little, little things that just dignify people. You know, you know, people have, people have a question to ask you or people uh, need something from you. And sometimes, you know, they come to you with their, with their hat in their hand, so to speak, or they're, they're reluctant to, to, you know, try and engage you if they maybe look up to you or something like that. You know, for me, it was, it was my experience. I, I felt the same way when I was around these guys. But they, they created an environment that welcomed me. And so I carry I try to carry that with me wherever I go. Like if I'm talking to a new person or per, a new volunteer or somebody that's uh, serving in the church, I want to make sure that they know, hey, you're, you're welcome here. You have, uh, you have my attention. I'm not looking past you or looking through you or looking around you at something bigger or better than you. You've got my attention, and, um, and you, can, you can talk to me, and I'm going to talk back to you. And uh, I'm going to help you if I can. And, you know, just so creating, you know, creating environments is something that I try to, that try to do really relational environments is something I think we can overlook sometimes, but it's very, it's very important. So that's, that's kind of a way that those guys have shaped what I do and how I do ministry today. I know some leaders in the uh, tech space, especially some in the worship space may say that, pastoring is not their their gift or that they're shy or that they're not a, a people person. 
what would you say to to someone like that, to to a leader like that, uh, as it relates to being a pastor? Yeah, um, you know, I, I understand that, and I, I feel that you know, like I, I am um, by nature kind of kind of an introvert in the sense of I don't draw strength from being uh, like in crowds of people. I draw strength from being by myself. You know what I mean? Or, uh, or, or being, you know, just at home with my family. But, you know, just speaking for myself, I've been convicted that I, I, I really don't have the option. Um, my calling doesn't afford me the option to say that I'm not a people person because I am in a 100% people business. And so, and I 100% people calling, you know, um, you know, I, I noticed that, you know, you know, even in the gospel, Jesus was prone to get away by himself. And, the, you know, the, the crowds would press in and there was a lot, there was a lot of crowds, but his, his life was a balance of being very public and loving people and touching people and engaging people. And then contrasted by getting away, finding a space, you know, um, refueling and recharging, you know? And so for me, if someone says, well, you know, I'm, I'm just a tech guy. Um, I'm just a, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not gifted as a pastor. That, that, that is fine. And that can be true about a person, but I don't think it can be an excuse for being aloof. I don't think it can be a way to justify not engaging people. I think we just have to find a better way forward to honor what we need and where we draw our strength while at the same time realizing that you're never going to lead somebody any further than you care for them or love them. You're never going to lead somebody past the point uh, of how much you care for them or love them. And uh, if people feel disconnected uh, to you relationally, especially over a long-term period, you know, if, if you become known as kind of aloof or hard to approach or, or uh, you bark at people uh, or, and you, and then you, you couch all that stuff in like, Oh, I'm just too, uh, I'm, I'm an artist or, you know, I'm a tech guy. I just I like, I don't like people. You really have to remember that those things are realities, but they can't justify uh, behavior that doesn't engage people. And, and that's, a, you know, that's just a muscle that you have to flex. You have to learn how to do that. I've, I've tried to learn, you know, through this process of, of saying yes to Jesus' call in my life, that um, it's, it's sacrificial. And, uh, and sometimes you have to sacrifice um, the parts of you that, you know, are, are really not worth hanging around or hanging on to, you know. I, I, found, I found that people are motivated so much more uh, by kindness, by opportunity, by somebody just being willing to just welcome them in, um, much more than they are, like, you know, trying to build this exterior kind of buffer between you and other people. It's, it's really hard. It ends up being super hard to maintain that. Yeah. Uh, all right, I want to I want to walk through some specific things uh, about pastoring your people better or pastoring your people well. Um, the first being uh, it may sound obvious, but know people. So, what are yeah. what are some ways that we can really get to know the people that we are, are <clears throat> under our care? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you, you got to do it. You got to do it in layers. But um, you know, the um, the first the first place I you know I always always start with is uh, this little rule, I call it the 30-second rule. And um, anytime I meet somebody, I try to take 30 seconds with them, 30 seconds. 
um, or if I greet somebody at church, uh, you know, like walking uh, walking to the platform or out at, out in the lobby or some some kind of thing. If someone speaks to me, I I usually try and say, give this person thirty seconds of your time. And you know, I might I might I might only give the chance to talk to you know three or four people at that rate. But however, thirty seconds gives you enough time to ask about two or three questions and get an answer. And it helps you get past the, Hey, how you doing? Good. All right. Good to see you. You know, yeah. that's a, that's one layer of engagement and it's fine. If you know, you have to happen to be in a hurry, but, but for me, if I, if I slow down and walk a little bit more slowly through the people that I want to lead and I take 30 seconds at a time, somebody, if somebody touched me on the arm and says, Hey man, you know, it's good to see you today. Um, thank you for the music. I always say, you're welcome. And then I ask them a question about themselves. I ask them, you know, like, if I know them, how are your kids? Uh, where's your wife? Uh, you know, any kind of, like, question that just takes it from point A to point B to point C. It, it doesn't usually take more than 30 seconds. But what it does is it makes that person feel like I, I think of them. And that I'm interested in them, and it is it has paid such amazing dividends for me to just just a little bit of that. I, you know, I don't, I'm not able to do it every time. Sometimes I am in an absolute hurry, and the countdown clock is running, and I, I don't have 30 seconds to give them. But most of the time, if I do, you know, thinking that way helps me get to know somebody, and that's and that's and that's one level. And then the second level, really, the people that I work with, the staff that are also, um, you know, in in the space of, you know, like a day-to-day kind of working relationship, I'll make sure those people know by by consistently engaging them. You know, and maybe, maybe even the 30-second rule or a little bit more comes into it, but I'll make sure that they know that I care about them for more than work. Um, I remember that birthday. I uh, look at them in the eye when I'm talking to them. Uh, I, I show up on time to meetings with them. I uh, I do things uh, as much as it is within my power that honors people and their time and their resources and really anything that they contribute. Um, I, I found that that just taking this a little bit of extra time it's not like a it's not expensive or it's not like incredibly uh, you know uh, resource heavy. It, it's just a little bit more time with people. It really, it really does make them feel like, and you really do get to know a person, especially stuff like that accumulates over time. Uh, it, it, it's, if it's random, it doesn't really work, but it's just a little bit at a time, just 30 seconds at a time. It, it amazes me how much that stuff accumulates. And now I, I've got pretty good relationships with a lot of people, especially just folks that, you know, I don't know everybody that goes to our church. We have a large church and multiple campuses, but, I, you know, 30 seconds at a time, it's really made a difference over the years as it's accumulated to where I, I feel like when I lead, uh, when I lead worship, or when I sing, or try and minister in music, um, I'm doing it for people that I know. I know their story, even if a small part of it, but so much more than um, than I would have had I not just asked. One thing that you hit on that I want to ask you about is is definitely walking around and spending 30 seconds with people, but I think that one a uh, place that that worship leaders especially have that opportunity is maybe between services um or before and after services out in the lobby walking around so so give me your uh i guess routine of if you're out in the lobby 
wh- how are you surveying the scene? H- who are you looking to, to, to talk to and, and meet and greet? Like yeah. what, what's going through your mind in those times? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, our, our habit, you know, that we've kind of developed, I, I look, I look for strangers. I look for new faces, especially in the lobby or, you know, like as folks are getting, uh, getting there for church, you know, um, most most people that tend tend to be uh, you know showing up maybe, maybe for the first time they may, they may be a little bit early just so that they can get their you know kids checked in and sorted out so I look for those kind of people if there's you know a new face sitting in the congregation that I don't know or finding a seat that I don't know I just look for those folks and just go talk to them to say hey my name's Carl what's your name why did you what what brought you here did someone invite you what do you do are you new to town just a few little things like that. And it's absolutely, uh, you know, it's, it's just a great, a great way to get get going with somebody. And, um, and you know, when uh, when we're out in the lobby, you know, our our church culture is a little bit. If somebody wants to talk to you, uh, they come down. They'll, they'll come down front. You know what I mean? And uh, so instead of taking my instrument off and 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 checking out. I make sure that, you know, I, I try to stay around front because I know, I know people will be there if they want to talk to me. I'll just, you know, I'll make sure I'm there for three or four minutes after the service just to make sure that if anybody has something that they need to talk about or uh, to be prayed for, um, they, can, they they know that that's where I'll be. And so that's been that's something that I've tried to establish over time. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's helpful in a sense to, like, always be in a spot. And if somebody, you know, somebody needs you, um, they know you're, you might be there at least for a little while after the service. That right. makes any, any, yeah. any sense. Um, now, uh, another way that we can pastor our people well is to give them access, right? So uh, walk, walk me through that step. Yeah. Well, um, talking about that, you know, um, it really goes, it goes back to um, some some things that, have really benefited me, and, and they were actually in the context of uh, this would be for somebody that I was mentoring or coaching or even somebody that had expressed an interest in, like, hey, man, I, I want to learn how to do what you do. I want to I get better at, um, um, you know, this or that or the other. And so inviting somebody in uh, to a rehearsal, they're not in the band or, or maybe they're just getting started or, you know, they're not where they need to be, you know, musically or something like that, but just inviting them in and say, Hey, I just want you to be in here with me. And I don't want, you know, I don't want, you don't have to play. You don't have to do anything. I just want you to see how I work. And uh, I want you to um, get a look at what this is like. And I've done it uh, for like rehearsals. I've done it for songwriting sessions. If if I'm writing with somebody and I've got, you know, a, a young guy or girl who's like interested in songwriting and they, they want to know how it works. At times I've been like, Hey, you know, you can, you know, this is not your song to write. I don't want you to talk or, or, you know, contribute, but I just want you to watch and see how, how it might look if you wanted to try it. Uh, I've done it in recording studios and a lot of times I'll, uh, you know, I've taken, um, I've taken guys like, you know, if I'm going to lead at a conference or go lead worship on the road somewhere, I'll say, Hey, to you, young guy, come with me this weekend. I'll I'll, I'll feed you and uh, give you a place to stay. But I just if you if you're interested in this, I want to sh- I want to show you what you'd be signing up for if you said, well, I want to be a 
you know, I want to be a traveling musician, or I want to be a worshiper in church. Really just giving them access to more than just seeing what you do on stage, but also the opportunity to see what you do the other 24, 23 hours of your day and how you handle yourself with other people. And, like, really, I, a couple of times, you know, there was an opportunity for me to, like, sit in a room where a hard conversation needs to be had and where, a um, you know, some, something or some problem needed to be confronted. And I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, really have the authority, you know, to say or speak into the situation. But I'm telling you, getting to watch a good man or a good woman have a confrontation and, uh, and talk about a difficult thing with somebody is a very, very educational experience. And so, you know, when it's appropriate, you know, and, and when, and when the, you know, the person is trustworthy, when it's appropriate to invite somebody into something difficult like that, even like a, like an elders meeting or a deacons meeting or something that, you know, is appropriate to let a, to let a younger man, or, uh, you know, experience something like that is, is a very powerful thing. It's very educational. It's just very helpful. And that's, that's the way that, you know, it's also a way that you endear, you know, yourself to people. You know, they, they, if you welcome somebody, it's just like welcoming somebody into your home. You know, when somebody comes to the door of your home, you know, you have, you have a choice right there to make them feel as welcome as possible. And, and sometimes, you know, the people that you care most deeply about, you know, you can even invite them into, like, you know, your your heart. And uh, that's just a kind of another process. You know, you, you take 30 seconds with some people, but then there are some people you're like, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you access to another another part of my life. I trust you enough so that you can know, uh, so that I can know you're trustworthy. And I'll let you see me work through some difficulties and work through some hard things. And it, it, that's just another another layer, if you will, of, uh, of giving people access. Do you find that they have more ownership in your process when they see all the behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on? Oh, man, I, like crazy. I mean, yeah. people, um, you know, you know, if you you know you dignify a person by inviting them in, really, it's like it's like a it's like a backstage pass. You know, every every, every you, know, you go to a concert, you know, uh, and you want a backstage pass. That's the, that's the cool thing. It costs more money than the ticket. That there's a value that's attached to it that that is is dignifying. You know what I mean? Like, hey, we got backstage passes. We're going we're going to see how it really works behind the scenes. Like, I bet nobody that ever had a backstage pass, you know, comes out of that experience being less of a fan or, or, or less appreciative of what's going on. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe the, their hero artist, you know, they get backstage passes and their artist hero was a jerk or something like that. That's probably happened. But the principle is, like, you, you get dignified by being invited back to a space that not everybody gets to go to. And man, I mean, for the most part, I've seen people really, really buy in and begin to put their heart into, you know, what, what, what's happening. And um, definitely, I think that principle plays itself out that way. This has been an all-access interview from 1230 Media and Carl Barnhill. Get exclusive content for your team online now at 1230media.com. Hey guys, I'm so excited to have Carl Carty on the show this week. Hope you enjoyed part one of my interview with him. Carl's latest studio album, Love Great Love, is available now. 
Love Great Love from Carl Carty, available wherever music is sold. And be sure to check out Carl's website for his story, music, tour dates, and more. It's all at carlandheather.com. Show notes for this episode are online now at 1230media.com forward slash 086 as in episode number 86. And all archive episodes of the show are at 1230media.com forward slash podcast. Check that out today. On the next Church Media Podcast. Next week on the show, Carl comes back for more as we continue our conversation on how to pastor your people well. Don't miss that. Our podcast producer is David Michael Hyde. Do me a favor, why don't you? Go to his website, davidmichaelhyde.com, and get him to write or produce a custom music score for you. There is no one on earth like this dude, davidmichaelhyde.com. It's a privilege hanging out with you guys each and every week. Go out there and create some incredible experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Church Media Podcast. Please take a minute today to rate and review the show in iTunes. We'll catch you right here next week for another episode of the Church Media Podcast.